Hey everybody, welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here, you can hear it in my voice. I got a little bit of a cold. It will not stop me from releasing this episode. Joe Henderson, the Lucifer showrunner, is back to talk about the current season and also his new image book, a great book called Skyward, that debuts in April, April 18th in fact, and uh, it's Lee Garbett and Antonio Fabian on uh, the art. We have a good conversation about that, but also about Lucifer. And it's great to catch up with Joe. Joe is uh, one of those Bendis board guys. Brian Michael Bendis's message board that goes back many, many years. And uh, so many of the creative people I got to meet through that board, uh, both uh, because of the podcast and prior to the podcast, we were just, you know, guys that were fans of Brian's. And uh, Joe is an aspiring writer. He broke through. Uh, we've had him on before, and he's talked about working on such great uh, USA Network shows as White Collar and Graceland. Joe has brought that writing sensibility from those shows to Lucifer. I mean, really think about it. In this crowded television world, and especially on a network like Fox, no offense, Fox, because you produce a lot of great shows, but they also run through scripted dramas so fast. And, uh, you know, I, I, Lucifer is, you know, kind of a fringe Vertigo book. I mean, we all know how great it is as comic book fans. Both Neil Gaiman's original ideas that came through in Sandman and certainly Mike Carey's incredible run. Uh, well, that was the building blocks for the Lucifer television show. And it's certainly different than the tone that we got in the comics in Vertigo. But um, it's become a successful show. And I think uh, Tom Ellis is a wonderful lead. Uh, the entire cast is just incredible. Think about these wonderful actors, man. Lauren Germain, D.B. Woodside, Kevin Alejandro, uh, my personal favorite, Rachel Harris. Uh, the additions they've made, people like Trisha Helfer. Tom Welling this year, are you kidding me? Man, I, I, and I'm so happy that Tom Welling, post-Smallville, is getting the opportunity to really show his chops in things like Lucifer. He is amazing in the in the season. Uh, and I really do. I just love this show, and I'm so pleased that uh, Joe's... Uh, having such great success as uh, the co-showrunner of Lucifer. Well, I'm also excited to talk to him today about uh, a great new series that he is doing for Image, Skyward. Picture a world of low gravity. It would seem like a wonderful thing when everyone gets to fly, but it really does explore the dangers of living in a low gravity situation, how that changes the uh, social stratosphere, uh, you know, it used to be that you'd want to live in a penthouse. Well, now it's important to live close to the ground. And um, it's great. It's a great first issue. And I'm, I'm really excited for uh, both Joe and Lee and the entire Skyward team. So great opportunity to have this conversation with Joe Henderson to talk about Skyward and the great television show on Fox Lucifer on today's Word Balloon. Brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. We're at the beginning of the month, and uh, again, I, I thank you very much for keeping Word Balloon afloat, giving me the opportunity uh, before I get this uh, full-time job situation under control. Uh, I'm still working part-time, so uh, it really helps uh, me afford to be able to get to conventions and make some amazing connections for some really exciting Word Balloon guests. Uh, it really does come back into the podcast in very big ways. So thank you very much for your support. League of Word and Balloon listeners through Patreon. If you'd like to help the cause, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or click on the front page ad at wordballoon.com. But truly, thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, wow, there is a ton 
of Lucifer material here, not just the classic run by Mike Carey, so many volumes of that, both in softcover and hardcover as well, um, at amazing uh, reduced prices, 42% off, so many of the volumes, but also Holly Black and Lee Garbett's uh, run of uh, Lucifer that has uh, started since uh, the reboot of uh, both uh, Vertigo and Lucifer as well. So you can really enjoy Shades of Lucifer all over the place. So many volumes at great prices, usually about 42% to 50% off at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. You will find great books at great prices. And I can't recommend the Lucifer comic series enough, both the current incarnation and the classic incarnation, Mike Carey and Peter Gross. Do it. Check it out for yourself if you're a Lucifer fan and haven't delved into the books. I think you'll appreciate the character in a much different way. Thanks to your, our friends at InStockTrades.com. All right, so uh, let's get into this great conversation with Joe Henderson. We're talking about uh, the Lucifer television show, but we're going to start things off, too, talking about Skyward. Uh, this is Joe's great series with Lee Garbett of the Lucifer comic, and uh, this is terrific. And you're going to get the uh, origin story of uh, the concept and uh, what's going on in the comic. It debuts uh, April 18th. So uh, if you like what you hear, and I think you will in this uh, conversation, make sure you get to your local store and put in an advanced order for Skyward number one. But here's my conversation with Joe Henderson now on Word Balloon. Oh, I'm so glad that Joe Henderson is back because uh, uh, you got a winning hand with Lucifer, Joe, and I'm very happy for you because every year it's like, that's great, man. People still are really digging Lucifer. And you got a new comic to talk about. So yeah, congratulations and welcome back. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be back. I'm excited. I, uh, yeah, I got, I, I'm excited that what we've been doing on Lucifer and I'm, I'm excited to talk about Skyward because this has been my, my passion project for, for years. Very cool. Let's talk about the comic book first off. Uh, new image book? New image book. Uh, it's something that I've been working on, trying to get done, trying to get made. And it was, it's one of those things where I just, I really wanted to write a story set in like a low gravity earth. It just seemed fun. I want to tell like a big crazy story and, I wanted to really tell, I like telling coming of age stories. So I wanted to tell a story about a girl trying to find her place in a world turned upside down. But, you know, it's it's a big, crazy idea. And the only way to really do it really is in a comic. I write TV, I write movies, I read comics, I love comics, but actually starting to write one and actually trying to figure out how to make one was a very challenging experience but it was it's been so much fun it's been exciting and amazing and every time i get pages from lee garbett uh art it's just like oh oh my god that's even better lee did a great job uh you you sent me the first issue and it's gorgeous uh thank you absolutely so so how did you get lee to to draw this so uh that, that was the big question is like for a world like this, you need, you need a great artist. Uh, you need someone to draw beautiful, big, crazy vistas. We also need someone who can draw character, someone who can draw humanity. And so I've been a fan of Lee's since uh, Loki agent of Asgard, which was his book with Al Ewing. I'm also a huge fan of, yeah. uh, and it was just, it was like big, crazy, weird ideas, but it was also about Loki and his relationship with this woman who could see through any lies. And it was like, it was just this very intimate story that also happened to take place through the nine realms and thousands of other crazy things. And so 
Lee was like, and also, so Lee and I had started interacting because he was doing the art for the Lucifer comic, which is not really related to our show at all, except for the fact that, you know, it's the source material that we started off on. Sure. And so I started following him. I think I might have already been following him. He started following me, and we just started talking about the show and, and books in general. And so I was like, I need to find an artist. What I'd like to find is a Lee, someone like Lee. So I reached out to him, and the secret thing was, the secret motivation was, maybe I can get Lee to do it. But that seemed kind of absurd and kind of far-fetched. So what I asked him was, can you recommend an artist who might want to do a creator-owned book? Um, and, you know, any recommendations would be really helpful. But very, very secretly, please, please, please do this. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote back, and he's like, hey, you know, um, let me look at it. I'll take a look. And uh, by the way, I, I might, I might be available. And so I was like, ah, there's a little, there's an opening. There's a possibility. Sure. Uh, so I send him the first, uh, I think the first couple issues I'd read, written like the first four, I think by then. Uh, and I get an email the next morning I'm in and it was that simple and it was awesome. It was like, he just, he really wanted to write a, really wanted to draw a young female protagonist. He'd loved his time on Batgirl. He kind of wanted to get back to that. And I think, honestly, as an artist, I think he wanted a chance to show off because he is so good and so talented. And to have a world like the one that we're playing in, which is, you know, low gravity earth, it's, it's both an incredible challenge and an incredible opportunity because you've got to world build. You've got to create all these crazy big things, but you also get to create all these crazy big things. And that's what he's been doing. Well, it's it's gorgeous, and um, he's got a very, for people who you know who don't aren't aware of his work, very Terry Dotson like. At least that's yes. what that's what said that's what it said to me, and especially I love that. yeah, man, and especially um, you know, and I'm I'm trying to remember your protagonist's name. What's her name? Willa. Okay, it's Willa because Lily is Lily, Lily was her mother, right? Lily was her mother, and Willa is the uh, uh, the daughter who ends up. We follow uh, after she's grown up a little bit. Yeah, and great hair. And obviously, yes. in the no-gravity world, it's a great opportunity to draw a, a, a female character that has uh, great hair. So. Well, one of, the, one of the first things, like, I didn't give Lee much visually, because you don't have to give someone like Lee much visually, but one of the things I said is, I want her hair to be a character. <laughs> I feel like, because we have this low-G reality where hair can be floating around, I want a big head of hair that... When she's sad, can droop around her. When she's in, in the middle of action, can fly behind her. Like it's a little bit like a Brave, that Disney movie, where I feel like her big tousle of hair said so much about her. That's but cool. taken to the next level of really being able to reflect where she is in any given scene, and it's a toy that he's really played with. That's awesome. And well, and again, this is a world with. Lower gravity. It's Earth, and it's it's Chicago, your your hometown, yes. my hometown. So that's interesting right. for both of us. But okay. also, uh, know that wish fulfillment that I think all of us have always had to fly. And here is a world where floating and and controlled, you know, personal flight is a is a real a reality. Yeah, well, it, it is. A, I it really came from my wish fulfillment of growing up and just wishing I could be Superman. But you. <laughs> Like with any good, uh, you know, heroes with feet of clay concept, you need the bad with the good. You need the, you can fly, but you but don't fly too high. And so sure. that was a big part of this is what if it's a world you could fly, 
if you could, you know, leap a tall building with a single bound. But if you jump too high, you don't come back. So to me, that's the fun of it is you can fly, but you can die. And that's that's both wish fulfillment mixed with danger. And that's to me, that's the bread and butter of a good idea. And her father is tied to this mystery of, of what happened to the world. That, yes. Yes. So her father, okay. we see. Yes, it, we. Her father, we see in the beginning, uh, had a sense of this coming, had predicted it coming, and will come to discover uh, was very involved with uh, a lot of the stuff involving what we call G Day. Yeah, I'm assuming, obviously, yeah, the day that the Earth, the Earth's gravity changed. So. Yes. So that'll be a lot of the mystery moving forward. Of what does he know? What can he do about it? Uh, and also. What has this event done to him? In the first issue, we sort of get a glimpse of him, but he's a lot more damaged from what happened on the day that Earth's gravity became a fraction of what it is than we actually know. Um, because that's a, and one of the things I want to play with too is as much as this world is the world Willa knows and loves, she's, she was born in this. She's, it's, to her, it's just normal. Right. Everyone who was actually an adult or old enough to know better to remember gravity, it's a very traumatic experience when the sky used to just be the sky and now it's the biggest threat to human life. Okay, yeah, and I yeah, I guess the lack of control and everything is the fear. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And then being able to also be able to play with subverting uh, class, you know, like if the sky is the most dangerous thing in the world, then all the rich are going to buy up everything on the ground. So the penthouse has become where the the poor end up having to flood and everything that's as close to the ground as possible, even if it's slums, even if it's whatever, the rich are just flocking to because the lower to the ground you are, the more protection you have. Interesting. Okay. What uh, is this a finite series or how do you see this? Well, right now it's planned as a 15 issue miniseries. Okay. Um, um, maxi series, I should say. Uh, but I mean, the hope is if people like it, we'd keep the story going. Uh, what I wanted to do is write a beginning, middle and end, even if it's not the end, write a end Mm -hmm. so that, you know, people who pick up the book don't feel like I'm just, you know, uh, dragging it out. Okay. Like like, if you're BKV, you can keep going forever because I know you're going to get to a good ending because I know BKV and I trust that Brian K. Vaughn is going to. Uh, stick the landing. If you're Joe Henderson and you've never read my comic for the first time, I understand being a little leery picking up a book that might not have an ending. So one of the things I wanted to make sure I did is I had a very satisfying end to the arc, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't tell more stories in this world. Okay, interesting. So who are you talking to to learn the craft of comic writing versus uh, you know uh, script writing? So uh, that's a great question because so Mike Costa. Uh, Sure. who writes Venom for Marvel, uh, is uh, one of the writers on Lucifer and an old friend of mine. So what I did is I sat down with them because I know a lot of people come into comics and they're like, this is easy. I can do this. And they just write whatever they already write. They write a TV show and then just try to like paste it into a comic format or a movie and just try to paste it. Sure. I wanted to learn how to write a comic. Like To me, you have to show respect to whatever world you're going to go into. You have to understand that it is hard, that there are different challenges to be had. Uh, and so Mike really helped me sort of figure out how, how to write a comic book script. And I had written one years ago. I wrote a five-page Witchblade annual short story. Uh, 
but that's all my experience was beyond reading a whole lot of comics and <laughs> man, comic writing is hard. It is awesomely fascinatingly hard because you are part writer, part director, but you don't want to be too much of a director because if you have a great artist, you don't want to step on their toes, but you need to give them enough to be able to play within the boundaries, but not be too controlling, at least in my opinion, in my case with Lee, so that I want him to be able to uh, discover things. I want him to be able to find a better moment than the one I wrote sure. uh, or, or be like, hey, I just took a swing on this. What do you think? And the answer is pretty much going to be awesome. Like... I, uh, Dan Slott always talks about how, you know, he writes the Marvel way and he's got this whole thing where you just end up with a page of, of interactions where now you've got to add the dialogue. And that seems terrifying to me, but, but there's been a couple of times where these turned in pages that weren't how I'd pictured them. And I have had this great time just rewriting the scene around the different way he composed it, or he did it exactly as I'd written it. And it just didn't work the way I thought it would. And again, it's like, I great. All right. This character's talking to this character. I'm going to add some speech bubbles. And all of a sudden, a moment that didn't exist now does. And that's, that's fun. Cool. That's cool. Very interesting. Is, and, and obviously, this being such a visual concept of, you know, that, that you know, flight and the lack of uh, control yes. in, in this you know, low gravity earth and everything. So, so I would imagine he takes an even more active role to kind of obviously, you know, show the effects of the world and, and, you know, so it must make him too feel like more of a real co-plotter in this whole thing. I hope so, because that was early on. That was the conversation. Like it's a creator owned book. We, we own it together. Uh, it's, it's our baby. Mm -hmm. Um, it was something that it would been in my head for a long time. But now I don't think about it as mine anymore because he's brought so much to it. And a lot of what I try to do is give him the flexibility to add to it or just I just get excited to see how he adds to it. Like both the little touches and sort of the bigger moments. And, you know, he's sort of logic through like I have these, you know, magnetic shoes that will come up in later uh, issues because the rich have just desperately tried to figure out ways to feel normal and feel like they can still walk on the ground. But I didn't know what those looked like or how that worked. And Lee figured it all out. And it looks both awesome but weirdly normal and human. And that's sort of the fun of it is taking these big, crazy ideas and having an artist that can make it feel like, yes, that could happen in our world. That's cool. And so you say 15 issues. Is the plan to do five-issue mini-arcs and then the, the three the three will link together? Or is it going to be a 15-part story? It'll be, yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, five issue arcs. Uh, okay. And and by the way, like each issue is more than uh, 20 pages, more than 22 pages. Uh, the first issue is 28 pages, which is the maximum amount that you can get into an image comic. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. I'm really... I never knew there was an actual, you know, uh, ceiling as far as, uh, you know, tell me about that, please. Yeah, I mean, you could probably, I'm sure you could actually ask for a larger size. It's just like the standard size, I think, is 32 pages. But once you include covers, it goes down to 28. Sure. Uh, so we just decided to jam-pack the first issue. Because uh, I, whenever I would read a first issue, if I'd ever get to the point where I'd be like, okay, that's half the story. But I want, I want, I need to, I need to be in the character's shoes. I need to get a sense of the world. 
And then I want that hook that keeps me there. And yeah. I'm, and I would always get frustrated as a reader when I'd get to the point where it's like, you want me to buy issue two, but you haven't given me enough of issue one. And listen, and I get it. Sometimes it's like, I only had 20 pages. There's only so much story you can tell in 20 pages. Sure. So we were like, let's do 28. It's, let's get as much in there as possible. I think the next issue is 25 or 24 uh, through issue six, every issue is at least 24 pages because I want people to feel a bang for their buck. Uh, but also it's like that's that's to me how you best immerse in a world is as much time as possible. Um, sure. and, and, and I want to get awesome double page Lee spreads that look <laughs> amazing. And so I'm you know it's, it's worth it to to expand it a little bit. No, and I think you're right and, I th- and and that's good to hear that you were writing it with that in mind because, you're right. The first issue is your calling card, and you do have to give enough story yes. to make people say, "All right, are you willing to keep going with us, or, or what?" And and give them something. Is it going to be a three fifty book? Is that the plan as far as the price? I think it's three ninety nine, oh, okay. which uh, is just the standard image price, pretty much now. Okay. Um. So again, it's 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 a lot of money, and so it's like I I need to give you your your value. I need to make sure that you feel like you're spending your money uh, well. Sure. Because uh, I know that that's not like I, you know, when I, when I buy a $4 comic, I want $4 worth of material, um, to earn it. So what did Mike tell you about, uh, and, and how much on your own have you discovered you're going to have to do in terms of talking to retailers and getting them interested in this specific book? You know, I'm just starting to get into it and I'm honestly, I'm just, I'm literally troubleshooting it this week. Okay. And trying to figure out what's the best ways to outreach, what's the best ways to engage. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of uh, fellow writers. Uh, Kyle Higgins has a book coming out uh, in April as well, yep. uh, which looks awesome. Uh, uh, I didn't know you knew Kyle. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Kyle and I go way back. Uh, so he's been giving me some tips because he's done this a couple of times. Sure. Uh, my buddy Pornsack, who I realized just now I've never said his last name out loud, um, but he's doing Infidel. It's... Uh, Pino, well, Pornsack, if you're listening, I have no idea how to say your last name. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's doing Infidel, uh, which I read the first three issues of, and is amazing. And I've been talking to him a bunch and picking his brain, uh, like, because I don't know, but I want to know because, you know, comics are my bread and butter. It's just that I've never actually worked in them. I've only ever been a reader. Sure. Well, and, 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 you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the, the, the best thing about comics right now is probably the toughest thing as far as uh, having a new book is the crowded shelf because there are so many great quality comics out no there. And, yeah, and, I mean, God, I mean, especially in the creator-owned market right now where it's, it's tough to get your voice heard. So, um, yes. you know, Image, as we're, as we're recording this, they had their expo yesterday in uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. So yes. You know, did you did you have an opportunity? I mean, obviously you're busy with the show, but did did you possibly have the opportunity to present your stuff there, or are they helping I'm you in still any the way new beyond, dude. beyond the usual uh, thing for an image book? Um, there's been conversations. I'm waiting to waiting to find out what exactly is happening. I've just decided to start doing it myself because sure. I I'm terrified of people not finding this book, and I love this book, and I want people to find it. Uh, so. We've had conversations uh, about getting it out a little bit, but I'm just sort of running forward because I want to try to get as many people knowing about it as possible. Because, like I said, it, there's so much. Not it's not even clutter. It's like I said, it's, it's good stuff. It's, yeah. 
there are so many cool, interesting books out there right now. And I was looking at the Image Expo. I was like, I'm like, yep, I would like that. I would like that. I would like that. <laughs> and I get to retailers how hard it must be because, you know, you can't you can't order every book. Like, there's so much good stuff on the shelves. You've really got to be selective. Who's the Who's the colorist for this? Uh, it's Antonio Fabella, who worked with uh, who worked with Lee on a bunch of other things. He's also the colorist on Thanos. I don't know if you're reading Thanos, but uh, that book is. Awesome. That's cool. Well, it's it's really beautiful because obviously the sky plays a huge role in, yes. in this book, and it and these are some of the most realistic looking skies in a book. And and I, I, you know that may seem, sound mundane, but I, I mean that in a, in a really positive way, where it really certainly digitally comes through. And honestly, and, that is that is so important. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, it does seem like sort of that obvious thing. Oh, it's skies, but you're right. It's like. The sky is a character. Yes. Uh, and the sky needs to be a character. The sky needs to feel like it's above you. And it needs to feel both beautiful but a little scary. Uh, and uh, he's got this just rich blue that sort of pops and absolutely looks gorgeous. But at the same time, it, there's a, it's, it's a little cold. Mm-hmm. And I like that because that's what ha- if you keep going up there, it's going to get very, very cold. Sure. Absolutely. No, I think it's a it's a really good concept. And um, again, I think uh, the art team is really, you know, doing this uh, justice. And um, no, it's a, it's I think it's a really interesting, very cool first book. And uh, when is it when is it uh, going to be available? April 18th. Uh, it will be available uh, at uh, comic stores everywhere. OK. Um, what, and yeah, pre-orders. I, uh, is that by March 18th or? I think so. Yeah. What is our uh, FOC? I don't. I do not have it in front of me. But let's say, let's say March. Um, okay. But yeah, please, anyone listening, uh, check it out. It's a passion project. Awesome book. Uh, listen, and I'm, I'm just gonna be blunt about it. Like, I was really inspired by Bendis with Miles Morales and Force Awakens to give a strong female protagonist uh, of, of color. Like I yeah. really wanted to add to the shelf and I really wanted to, I'm, I'm a white dude. Every superhero looks like me or, I mean, black Panther just came out. So that's changing, which is amazing. Absolutely. But yeah. like I grew up getting to see people who look like me and I think it's just so important and exciting to even in some little way, add some gender and color to the shelves and tell different kinds of adventure stories or, Similar kinds of adventure stories, but with different kinds of protagonists. That's awesome, man. No, that's very cool. And it's, uh, huh. yeah, no, I, like I said, it, it read well and it looks great. So uh, all the all the right uh, ingredients, absolutely, for a first issue. And uh, I appreciate absolutely. That, no, I know, and it's and truly, that's the thing. You know, sometimes people send me books and like, hey, what do you think? And it's like, oh no, this is good. <laughs> I do want to talk about <laughs> this. This is very good. So uh, oh, no, I'm uh, very happy. I, I, absolutely, a very emphatic yes to uh, Skyward, that uh, that starts in April 18th. But uh, get your pre-orders in. Talk to your stores, and uh, you know, I uh, is there a page for it on the Image website that people can see uh, and everything? You know, uh, if you check out my uh, Twitter account Henderson underscore Joe, there's a bunch of art there. Uh, Lee's site has a bunch. Cool. I don't think Image has a dedicated site yet, but you know what? I'm going to ask them about that uh, right now after this call because uh, that's a good idea. See, I'm learning. Uh, I'm learning <laughs> ways to get the word out uh, 
via you, John. I'm, Thank I'm, you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm sure I, they'd have to because I would think they would, I would want it on the site and then people could see it and then obviously have a link to order it through them as well as that uh, would you know. make sense. So yeah, there's gotta be, but <laughs> no, honestly it's, it is great. So yeah, uh, check out Lee's, uh, Lee's Twitter and, and, and also Joe's Twitter and everything to see some of this art and, uh, you know, get a sense of what this thing will be. And I'm sure that when, uh, when, <laughs> when Joe discovers what the page is on image and also I'll try and see if I, if there already is a page that exists, I'll link to it as well at uh, wordballoon.com. But uh, I'll, I'll find something and I'll send it to you. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, good deal. All right. Excellent. <laughs> No problem, man. That's all right. Hey, I'm I'm impressed you're doing this in the midst of uh, you know running a TV show. Are you still the showrunner? I'm still I'm, I'm co-showrunner now. Okay. Um. So season one, I ran it on my own. Season two, we got 22 episodes, which I don't think any human being should ever do on their own. <laughs> um. And so one of the EPs on the show, a woman named Ildi Modrovich, who actually had been on um, since the pilot time. We made a deal season one, which is basically, hey, I'm, I, I'll be running season one, but if it's 22, let's do this together. Uh, neither of us wanted to run a 22-episode show on, on our own at any time, and I knew that she knew the show and the world and the voice, and so ever since season two, we have been co-running, cool. uh, and it is, it, honestly, I believe it's the only way to do a 22-episode show and not have those episodes that fall between the cracks. yes. Like, I mean, you know, you'd be watching a show and then like all of a sudden you get to episode 14, you'd be like, I don't think they really tried that hard on this episode. Yeah, or filler. You know, you, you've got the macro filler. story of the season and then, yes. you know, I mean, God, I and, and not to pick on uh, CW shows, because I, I mean, honestly, I really do think uh, the DC television universe, including mm-hmm. your show as well and Gotham, you got to give, I mean, my God, it's there. Everything's running great. But you're right in it's that. It's very impressive. Yeah, in the twenty-two in the twenty-two episode world, you just, you kind of feel like that way of okay, we know what the big climax is going to be. It's going to be the hero against the big bad. Get there, and don't give. Yes. I don't need these filler episodes. Just get there, and and also, um, you know, I, I I'm a, I'm guessing Fox might have the same problem. Is there a thought to cutting back to fifteen or or a more manageable? order or do networks still really want to stick with the 22 you know it's funny i i I feel like every year there's that debate within networks like you know well let's go on to 18 let's go on to 15 and the fact of the matter is if they've got a show that's pulling a consistent rating they want to have as many episodes of that show and also like the fans like for example when we were 18 last year the fans were super disappointed because they wanted 22. Wow. Where's my 22? I want all of my episodes. And now what the fans want is 22 great episodes, uh, not just 20, 18 ep- good episodes and four bad ones. Sure. But, <laughs> sure. you know, like you, you want your show to be on as much as possible if it's a show that you love. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a weird catch 22. Like, listen, working on a 22 episode show is hard. It's exhausting. It's it's kind of insane. Um, it's a lot better when you're working with someone and we actually, Ildi and I alternate producing episodes, which is really the biggest time suck on TV. Um, because when you're producing an episode, you get pulled out for prop meetings, for concept meetings, for, uh, every sort of prep meeting, for every kind of, uh, post-production meeting. And that's weirdly where you spend so much of your time. 
in our case, we only have to do it for every other episode, which means we're in the room a lot more, which means we're breaking a lot more story, which is one of the reasons I think that our show, uh, story-wise, I'm very proud of the stories we've been telling because we're not ever just going, okay, you know what? We can't survive episode 15. Let's just get a version of it out and let's move on to 16, which <laughs> that's, that's the philosophy that, I mean, especially like in the nineties, that was a philosophy of network television. Like it's okay to have a couple bad ones. Sure. And I feel like in today's market in particular, if you're going to be a 22 episode show, you can't do that because people can go to it. A 15 episode season show and have better episodes. So weirdly, the bar has been raised on 22 uh, episode shows. If you want to keep existing, you need to figure out a way to do better. Um, or just have the most loyal audience ever, which I think almost every CBS show has, uh, no matter what. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, it's... Uh, no, I, I give you guys a lot of credit because, again... Well, and I, and I really... I think your background, coming from those USA shows that you worked on, Graceland, White Collar and stuff, it always was, I, I think, that formula and the people that you worked with, would you say then, obviously, that's where, where you really kind of got your particular writing style from, is obviously those experiences and learning in that way? Because I really think it was a great combination of procedural of the week with you know the overarching story and just fun. I mean, that's the other thing. Yes. Really, I mean, and that's that's been the great thing because you know you, you hear, hey, it's going to be a show about the devil, and yes, obviously the viewers know that it's a great, funny show along with being uh, whatever the interesting problem of the week is and very compelling uh, characters and the mythology that you guys you know have have created for this. But um, you know, the good thing is, yeah, it's just there's always this great current of humor going on, and and I think lightness. That that makes the dark stuff that much. You know, there's, the contrast is there in, in the best possible way, and it always makes for a good hour of television. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, humor is so important because uh, it humanizes an absurd concept. Yes, <laughs> and I I defy you to find a more absurd concept than the devil solving crimes in Los Angeles. <laughs> it is the most absurd idea ever, but. If you throw a little wink in, and also if you have Tom Ellis playing the devil, yeah, and you have fun with it, um, weirdly it grounds the concept, and then l allows you to sneak in some genuinely emotional, heartfelt uh, elements that ground it even more. But the starting point is, uh, you know, the, the the characters delivering things with a smile. Like you see that first scene of the pilot where Lucifer talks to a cop and basically convinces him to let off him off a speeding ticket because the cop is the guy who actually wants to speed. He's the one that wants to have fun. And it's just this whole, whole concept of the devil isn't bad. He's just your id gone wild. Sure. How much fun would that be? <laughs> and so you've got, you've got, you've already got like a bit of a wink going on within it. And just all we did is lean into it. And to your point, like with, with white collar, I was lucky to get onto a show that matched what I like to write. I love writing procedurals that are from uh, a character. Like a character of a procedural is fun because I could, I could never write just a science-based procedural. I like them. I respect them. I can't do it because all story comes from character for me. So sure. with White Collar, it was Neil and Peter and Mozzie 
uh, and everyone else digging their ways into cases and emotionally engaging in cases um, because in some way they reflected what they were going through and building a mythology that also could dovetail with the cases. In this case, with Lucifer, uh, the thing I discovered when I came on after the pilot, which was baked in there uh, intentionally or not, I actually genuinely don't know, but I decided to really pull it out and make it the thrust of the show, which is uh, the devil makes everything about himself. And so when the devil uh, starts solving crimes, every crime becomes about himself. And so every week you care because the devil cares. And even though he's sort of being this weirdly selfish, self-absorbed person, there's an innocence to it. He's not trying to make it about himself. He's not trying to be a jerk. He's, he's a teenager trying to learn about himself. He just doesn't know how. And that innocence in the devil of all people is what lets you get away with so much. And again, a lot of that is the fact that Tom Ellis uh, can take a line that could sound absolutely terrible from one person and make it sound like the most charming thing anyone has ever said. <laughs> and like, is it hard? I mean, I'm sure he's he's got a contract and I'm sure he's willing to honor this contract, but I would think, given the success of the show, this is like another Cumberbatch that is kind of in the in the waiting in terms of like erupting in any big screen stuff. I haven't checked IMDb lately if he's doing any films on his off time as some TV people are able to do. Uh, but it, it really, you know, yeah, I mean, I would just, I would think again with the, you, you, you had 13 episodes the first season, 18 the second, now you got 22. You know, obviously the, the commitment to do the show is that, that much bigger. But also I, I do, I mean, the guy's got charisma. I, he obviously has this, this legion of fans, which is really funny to watch online as well in the, in the best way, <laughs> which only helps the yeah. show, obviously, as well. No, they're, they're amazing, and they're, they're so awesome and loyal, and they've followed him. A lot of them have followed him from previous shows, and a lot of them have found him on Lucifer. And, uh, uh, I mean, the, the truth of it is, I think, for the most part, he is taking a breather in between seasons, and catching up because it is such a brutal schedule. And by the way, one that he embraces, like we were shooting up, we were shooting episode 16, uh, which is usually when everyone's exhausted and broken and Oh my God, (laughs) where's this going? And he, and the writer of the episode and Tom pitched me this sequence and I'm like, okay, that's a cool addition to the episode. But the only time we can shoot it is Friday night from 8 PM to 3 AM. And he's like, well, Mate, why why do you think we do this? Oh, that's great. <laughs> like it wasn't like, oh well, never mind. I want my Friday. He's like, I want the episode to be good. This will make the episode good. I like he is he is a professional. He's a the kind of professional that you want on your show. And that's that is what is one of the reasons that the show works. He's always bringing something to it. And by the way, season two is actually it was we aired eighteen, but we shot twenty two. Oh, uh, and speaking to the whole like sort of the episodes that don't matter. So one of the things that happened is we shot these four standalones, and the first thing we decided is to make sure those episodes do matter, because we had to shoot four episodes in season two to carry over into season three. Okay, and we were like, okay, so how do we make sure that we aren't designing exactly what we were just talking about these episodes that just that don't really do anything, that don't really go anywhere, uh, and so. When we found out that this was going to be the case, we told the studio network, like, all right, 
we're going to go weird on these. <laughs> like, we're going to take some swings. Like, one's going to be a Twilight Zone episode. One's going to be a big romp. We're going to do a flashback. Like, we're going to go crazy. And <laughs> the funny thing was, they were like, well, yeah, sure. And, like, we got notes in as much of, like, are you sure this will work notes? But never don't do this, which was really exciting and really, really cool because, like, we did an episode entirely from a reporter's point of view trying to prove that Lucifer is the devil and no one believes him, even though he's walking around telling everyone he's the devil. <laughs> like... Like things like that that are like just just breaking format, having fun, um, but also making sure that they matter so that you don't feel like we've just, you know, added to the pile to get to a number. Uh, and it was funny because we, we have we're actually I don't know if I've actually uh, said this. So here's a little exclusive for you. Uh, we're doing two of them this year. OK. Uh, and um, and one of the conversations was how do we do this again? And. We pitched them to the Bruckheimers, and we're like waiting to hear because they're kind of a little even crazier than last year. And they're like, "We're calling these the wrong word. We can't call them standalones. These aren't standalones. These are like these are special episodes. We don't want to call them very special episodes because that sounds like uh, you know, like the uh, the very special episode uh, where Jesse did caffeine pills. But like, <laughs> but like." Like you guys could easily just deliver an episode with a case, but instead you're making your job so much harder. And to me, that's that's what you do on a show that you love, that you want to keep working on. Uh, that it, I, I don't, I don't work on a show about the devil solving crime to collect a paycheck. I do it because it's an excuse. Well, the paycheck's nice, but I do it as an excuse to do the craziest, weirdest. Most fun, most surprisingly uh, emotional stories I can. Yeah. Oh, I think I just bloviated there for a while. No, 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 that's okay. And it, I mean, <laughs> no, but and, and what you're describing, I think any any viewer would understand because yeah, it is those you know episodes that either take a different point of view, uh, but again, it's an examination of character. So what you're just, I mean, like, yes. so did the reporter episode air? Did I miss that? It did. It was. Um... It aired back in October, I think. Uh, Patrick Fabian from um, – it, it aired within the season. So okay. maybe you didn't even know, uh, but it was uh, Patrick Fabian from Bad, Better Call Saul. He's in every single scene of the episode because it's literally about him sure. trying to take down the devil. And what we end up learning is that it's not just, hey, I've got this story I want to tell. It's that Linda is his ex-wife. And he's mad because she was with Lucifer for a period of time, and he wants to prove to her that Lucifer is not worthy of her. So it actually takes place from the beginning of season one into now, and we, it's, it really is it's, – it's an episode where we slowly destroy a human being. That's awesome. That's cool. And it's, it, and it's, our, it's our Twilight Zone sort of episode where it's – it is not a happy ending. <laughs> That's <laughs> and I love it. And I lo like we just took this big long swing, and we turned it into the network. And they're like, uh, "Are we gonna like this guy?" And I'm like, "At times, and at times we won't." <laughs> like, um, okay, go for it. And it, it was one of their favorite episodes. And they were just they were willing to let us go weird. That's excellent. That's fantastic. You know, and I'll be honest, I like the episode that you co-wrote uh, that just aired a couple weeks ago, the the diamond uh, episode. 
and uh, and oh, my brother's thank keeper. You. Well, and and the re- the the kind of recurring theme of you know Lucifer and his brother, certainly Cain and Abel, yeah. and you know I mean just the you know the the idea of brothers and Ella obviously trying to figure out what happened to her brother. Um, but yeah, I, I yes. enjoyed the comment about the diamond market, and in fact, as you said about the pilot and classic Lucifer moment of. What is your great, you know, what do you really want? And Diamond Merchant wants to kill every millennial that they can find that exists. And I'm like, that's yeah. fantastic. That's hilarious. So, well, And I love it, too, because it's like she's got a very justified perspective. But the irony is the millennials are the ones who are right. Of course they are. No, and I think <laughs> that's, yeah. And, yeah, it's their comment on the on the diamond industry and, the, you know, the, the terrible uh, blood crimes that are committed for these things and, you can even question the value of a diamond as we learn that it's, well, they're not as really as rare as you'd like to, as the diamond industry would like yeah. to believe that they are. And it is, I mean, I, I know as a very cynical man that, yeah, that's kind of been my attitude towards diamonds and stuff is like, it's like, this is like a big scam. I mean, I've watched the 60 minutes things about diamonds and how they're, how they're yep. harvested. And again, the fact that they aren't the precious uh, rock that, that everyone would be led to believe if they didn't really pay mm-hmm. attention to what's going on. So yeah, and having said that, I still have bought my wife diamonds. Of course, she has. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's it's the other irony of us. It's like we all know it's a con. Oh, but it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, hilarious. I'm it, I'm looking at yeah. the uh, I'm looking at the uh, the episode list, and you're you're credited for three this year so far. Yes, and yeah. So I um so Ildi and I take turns. Uh, she wrote the premiere, so I wrote the second episode. That means the season I am writing the finale which I just finished about two minutes before we started this call. Wow, okay. Uh, so that is off. And then I sent it to Ildi. She's going to go through it, uh, make it prettier. And that's what we do for each other's scripts is sort of do one pass before it goes out. Uh, and then we will start shooting the finale, God, in a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, and, and I will say that uh, every season what we try to do is we try to introduce a story um, play with it and then wrap it all up in the end and then end with a promise of what the next season will be. Sure. And that is very much what we are doing this season. Uh, it, it's actually my favorite episode I've ever written. It's so good. And it's not good because I wrote it, but it's good because the stuff that we've broken for the season that is, that has, is all culminating in the episode is just so good. Uh, I can't, uh, I'm like, I wish it could come out tomorrow. Well, I would have to shoot it first, but you know, no, I understand. Well, tell me about, uh, Tom Welling being part of the cast now, because that's some great, uh, casting. It was a really nice surprise having him show up this year. And, and certainly then the big reveal that not only was he this cop that was anti antagonizing Lucifer, but the reality that he is the Cain from the Bible, the original Cain, as in Cain and Abel. So, yes. original sin and all. Uh, or not, I guess, yeah, not I, a, mean, I guess the second sin. I guess uh, yes, the original yeah. sin is biting the apple. So, yeah. The first, the first murder. There you go. Yes, the first murder. Which is something we will delve more into in a, in a very soon-to-come episode. Yeah, we figured. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the low-hanging fruit. It's got to be. Well, and again, that's what, again, the, the, your, your, that last episode and stuff, I mean, obviously, you know... Uh, uh, Lucifer's trying to get D.B. Woodside to help him and everything. <laughs> I realize that as yes. his brother. and But also, yeah, you, you can't help but think about Cain and Abel and, and just... And, yep. and Ella's, Ella's... So the, the whole thing had the brother kind of 
you know, uh, rhythm kind of running through the whole episode. Ella looking for her brother, Lucifer trying to get mm-hmm. his brother to help, and of course, Cain and Abel always in the background. I will. I will say that uh, the the take we have on Cain uh, and Abel should feel remarkably different from uh, most any other show or movie. So cool. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Excellent. Um, but uh, when it comes to Tom Welling, uh, so when we found out he was actually available, because from what uh, we understood, he's always on the list. But you know, he's he's producing shows. He's got a bunch of stuff he's doing. Uh, He's people always go out to him and they never get him. Okay. So in the beginning, they're they're like, "Hey, what about Tom Welling?" We're like, "Yeah, sure, go to Tom Welling. That's not going to happen." Um, <laughs> sure, let's 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 waste a day doing that. Um, why not? So we go out to him and they're like, "He's interested. He likes the show. Uh, he wants to know what kind of role this would be." Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think Ildi was on set at the time, so I ended up taking the call. And it was great because I've watched all 10 seasons of Smallville. Sure. <laughs> like, I am a huge Tom Welling fan. But also the first spec I wrote, which is, you know, like when you're trying to get a job, you write a um, an episode of television as if you were on the show. I wrote a Smallville. And so I know that show very well. I also know uh, what he did on the show, but also the itches that he might have been looking to scratch. Like when you're playing Clark Kent, you only get to play a certain type. Sure. And obviously red kryptonite aside, you every now and then get to play. <laughs> so what was really fun is I got on the phone with him and I started, I was like, Tom, I always want to start and say, thank you for having Smallville go 10 seasons because I wrote a Smallville spec and that thing stayed alive for like eight years. Thanks to you. That's awesome. <laughs> because once a show ends, your spec isn't valuable anymore. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Okay. So as a sales tool for you, that was still relevant was because of, of its longevity. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah, so I was like, I was like Tom. The most important thing is you helped me get work. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then we just had this really fun conversation about his time on Smallville and the kind of character he wants to do again. And I mean, he really is just I think active here and there since then. And so, but I was like, listen, here's a character who starts off just seeming like a, a wall, a guy who's seen it all, done it all. But what we're going to reveal around eight episodes in is that he's actually Kane. He's been around forever and we're really going to peel away at what that means. And the biggest selling tool we had is listen, when we bring in a guest actor for our sort of, uh, our antagonist of the season, because mm-hmm. we don't really have big bads, but we have people that stir shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Like season one, we had Kevin Rankin mm-hmm. who is just amazing. I loved him since he was on Friday Night Lights. And, uh, it was really nice because on his last day of shooting, he pulled me aside. And he's like, listen, you get these offers and you you talk to the showrunners and they tell you that you'll do all this crazy stuff. And then you show up and you might you might do everything they said or you might not because things change. And he's like, everything you told me I'd get to do with this character, I got to do. Thank you. Season two, Trisha Helfer. She's like, I don't want to be this evil goddess. I don't want to be a cartoon. And we're like, no, this is more about a nuanced character and more about a mother, uh, and her love for her children. And we made a deal with her and it's like, Hey, like we will do this. And if after a season we're out of story, we'll move on, but we will actually talk to you at the end of the season. If we have more story. And because for one thing, because it's Trisha Halper and she's amazing, but 
just because we loved working with her and because what she brought to the show, we figured out a way to bring her back. And she wanted to come back because, well, I like, I mean, we kept giving her awesome stuff to be able to do. Sure. And so <laughs> a lot of the selling point was, Tom, look what we've done with everyone who's been in your spot before. This is what we do. We give you a chance to flex your muscles and do crazy stuff. Uh, because our show is a drama, comedy, procedural, horror, everything in between show. Yeah. So, uh, and and he agreed within like 24 hours, and then, and then you know, Tom Welling was on our show. It's amazing. <laughs> I and just what a nice guy. Like, oh, that's good to hear because he certainly almost seems like, like annoyingly nice. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like no, no, no you can you can be a, a, an asshole. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, and again, we're, we're very lucky because between him, between Tom Ellis, between Trisha, between Lauren German, we've got, and everyone else, I, I, I could literally just list everyone on our cast. We've got a good cast yes, and we've do. got people that like doing this and everyone could do humor and drama and everything in between. And, uh, it's, I'm a very fortunate co-showrunner. I, I completely understand. And I think, uh. Um, God, uh, uh, Maze's uh, interactions with Trixie oh. were hilarious in the in, in the Diamond <laughs> episode in particular. And Trixie's really yes. grown up to be a, a, still a fun kid because there's that. And yes. we talked about this last time as well. Um, yep. You know, there's that fear of you know too cute for your own good sometimes with kids. Mm-hmm. And and you're writing Trixie, and she's acting the part in the best possible way where she's fun to watch and she's still fun to watch as she grows up and uh, continues her uh, character arc. So uh, Scarlet is like a genuine star. Like I, I am so excited to see what continues happening with her in her career because I mean, she can land a joke as a child actor, which is so hard. I, I imagine what she does when she actually grows up. Sure. Like she's just so good and, and kind of, like I don't know if you've seen. There's this viral video of her and Amy Garcia dancing together, <laughs> no, and it's like just this funny, amazingly adorable thing. Because uh, I, I've I've been spreading this sort of conspiracy theory that uh, that that Ella is a time traveling Trixie, and that at some point we'll reveal that actually Ella's from the future come to warn Trixie about what's to come, uh, because they're like they just have this this energy yes. like Scarlett and Amy in particular. And so <laughs> they did this video where they were like dancing in sync and it's just like, it's just pure joy within 15 seconds. That's cool. Well, they, they, in the episode, the diamond episode and everything, they, they get really excited because they're both wearing the same t-shirt. Sushi shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was literally designed because we were just like these, we need these two to like just become best friends the second that they meet. <laughs> That's great. And Trisha Helfer and um, Rachel Harris are really amazing yes. together. And that's a fun dynamic to play with in extreme ways and in very comedic ways as well. So, and, yes. and, and just well, that tension of, like, get out. <laughs> she clearly doesn't remember the, favorite, the experience uh, she put her through. But, yeah, that's awesome. Exa- yeah. One of my favorite scenes coming up, actually, is Trisha. Because we're going to start getting into a little therapy with her. And... <laughs> We have a scene where she sort of talks through what she's been going through, and it's one of those scenes where you just want to stay on her because, like, she's just breaking your heart uh, with her words. And it's so cool to be able to take 
uh, two characters take Rachel Harris and, and Trisha Helfer, put them in a room together, have like sort of a fun couple scenes where they end up being put together in one episode and then an episode coming up, just go the complete opposite direction with them and tell a, a sort of heartbreaking story of, of pain and do it all in the same show. Cool. That's great. Man. No, uh, and, and, yeah. yeah, Trisha Alfred must be thrilled with you guys because she's really getting a chance to stretch in in a lot of ways that really I haven't seen since Galactica. I mean, I, I, I've loved her in everything she appears in. I thought she did a great turn in Franklin and Bash and a few other shows like that. But, uh, you know, you guys have really given her a lot to work with in this two, you know, two, right now season and a half, but it will, will be two seasons and then obviously whatever yeah. your plans are beyond uh, season three. So pretty cool, man. Yeah, I mean, she's it, it's it's funny because you get you get actors, you get typecast. They can do certain things like you can be a bombshell or you can be this, you can be that. Like, I again, I was a fan of Battlestar, so like you've watched Battlestar, you know what Trisha Albert can do. Sure, you know that she can hit anything in between. The one thing I wasn't sure about was how much humor she could do, and it turns out she's fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was the one thing where you're like, well, she can do all of this. And you, you see a couple of clips. Yeah, 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 I'm sure she can hit it, but she's like funny. She's legitimately funny. And that was the thing that we actually really enjoyed being able to show off that I think a lot of people didn't expect from her. No, it's great, man. I mean, seriously, you guys, you guys have an amazing cast and, and obviously very talented writers and I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I, I really am. This is, I think, uh, you know, again, I know, uh, Tom Capinos was the original, uh, guy who had the concept for the series and you came in, this is again something we talked about in a previous Word Balloon, how you kind of came in, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the season already, you know, or the I guess the show already kind of, you know, at least an, an initial mold. And I, obviously you guys have put your imprint yes. on it since. But yeah, that's the thing. I really think this has obviously grown into uh, a, a great deal for you. And I, that's that's terrific. And I, I'm, I'm really excited for you in terms of being in the middle of this as you are in a very competitive television field and, and to, and, and the last place, you know, it, uh, NBC, I think with the good place, it's, it's tough. Oh my God. I I, I think that there obviously still room for the big four to show, Hey, you know, we, you know, we can still innovate just like streaming, just like cable can. And, and honestly, I think Lucifer, from the start has been a very unique show and and continues to evolve and show that uh, you know a network show can be as quirky as something you can find in streaming or cable that is yeah, thank you i mean that is the goal that's the the thing is like we we want we want we are writing a a cable show on network or doing our best attempts to do that sure. and cuz it is it's just What's the story we want to tell? What's the fun? What's the the crazy insanity? And one of the things we try to do too is like we like to let our writers put their imprint on a script. And I think you get slightly different episodes uh, because of that in a really cool way that I think keeps the show feeling a little fresh. Some are a little sillier. Some are a little darker. Sometimes that's reflective of the writer. Sometimes it's just reflective of the break, but you get to see a different side of the writer. Like, I always thought X-Files was always so cool because you'd see a name and you knew that episode would have a little bit of them in it. Like Buffy was similar. Like when I saw Drew Goddard's name come up, I'd be like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'm blanking the ticks, uh, creator, uh, Ben Edlund. Ben Edlund. Yes. Absolutely. Anytime oh Ben Edlund's God. name is on a, 
a TV script, you know you're in for a, for a roller coaster, and it's I mean supernatural, and you know God, uh, yeah. even powers, and uh, you know of course the puppet episode of Angel that I think is one of its hallmarks. Yeah, man, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's that's to me that's the fun of TV, especially a show like ours, which does have a case of the week. How do you how do you embrace that as a positive instead of a negative? And I think the way to embrace it as a positive is to dip your toe in different tones and different worlds and see how elastic your concept is. Like we did an episode at the top of the season, which involved puppets and uh, stand up comedy and Lucifer literally walks onto a sitcom set and it had, it, we said micro penis 14 times. <laughs> it is the dumbest episode we've written and the hardest script I've written because it's really hard to write an episode where every single one of your uh, suspects is a comedian and not have them be funnier than your characters, but still funny. And how on earth do you ground puppets? And I loved it. It was so much fun. I can't believe we ever got to make it. But we took it almost as like a challenge. How do you do something that is, is insane on a different show? But we're just going to go for it because we're a show about the devil solving crime. (laughs) (laughs) Has, um, I know initially there was a pushback from some religious circles and stuff. Has that died down? Yeah. I don't hear anything anymore. Uh, I kind of miss them. (laughs) Kind of, kind of hurtful. (laughs) It's like, what what happened guys? I'll tell you what we have heard a lot is people of faith who like the show. Oh, that's great. That's been really cool. That's terrific. Like, and that's actually important to me. Like I grew up Catholic um, I'm lapsed now, but like religion is such a force for good or and can be such a force for good. And faith, I think is actually a very important thing. And I like, weirdly, I think our show is very faith affirming. It's, it's, you know, sure. it's, it's all about the devil redeeming himself. If the devil can do it, why can't we like, it's, it's, in, it's just, it's ironically the most it's the most Christian show on television. How about that? <laughs> well, and I, and but it's kind of true. You do, yeah, you keep int- you, you introduce characters like Ella and everything that you know. Faith is important to who she is, and uh, and yeah, yeah and I, I think you're right about that in terms of you know it's it's an it's a full exploration of faith and religion and redemption, and you know I mean that's that's these are very human things to you know investigate. Yeah, that's 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 what we try to do. It's like. By the way, like, how fun is it? I got to work on a show that I can go from micropenis jokes to uh, questions of faith and the nature of good and evil. Like, that's cool. <laughs> well, what, and anything else you want to add, Joe? Because I, you know, yeah, I, I, I really, I, 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 all I can do is congratulate you. But you know, is there anything else you want to no, talk you. about that we haven't uh, hit? Uh, I mean, I'm working on. Uh, well, this this is kind of cool. It got announced uh, earlier. I'm working on the. Uh, a new Flight of the Navigator movie. Oh, that's great. Wow. So I'm very excited about that. I can't really say anything about it. So and this is a bit of a dead end that I've introduced. But uh, that's terrific. I'm really excited. Yeah, man. I went in and it was there. I, I just I'd heard that there was an opportunity to pitch on it. I pitched from my heart. I actually got emotional in my pitch. Uh, I did not think I got it <laughs> because I was like, I pitched a very sort of heartfelt pitch and they they went for it and so hopefully uh i'll be 
uh, digging into that very, very, very soon uh, because it's played heavy. Like was, it, I mean, it was literally one of my favorite movies growing up. I used to go visit the neighbor kid who I didn't like because he had it on VHS. And that was when like <laughs> not every movie came out on VHS or if they did come out, they were like 80 bucks. I'd, I'm sure. So I, that I would go hang out with this, this kid that I just did not like, but he had played the navigator. And I had to watch play the navigator. <laughs> so it was like a dream come true for me to be able to, uh, uh, to do it. But, um, but yeah, so I'm working on that. And then I'm just trying to get ahead of Lee on skyward because, uh, he is, a professional and is like super on time and is already uh, going to start issue six next week. So, and I'm through issue nine, but I gotta, I gotta get, keep staying ahead of him. Sure. Cause I also, I know a lot of some writers like will go like issue at a time. Like I like to be able to go back and seed things. Um, you know, if I get to issue nine, I'm like, Oh my God, if I put this in issue six, then it'll pay off. Uh, I'd very much like to be a couple issues ahead so that I can either change things to reflect where I've gone or, or uh, see, see things to come and have people be like, oh, that's what he meant there. That's what that is. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to be doing a lot of things I love right now. And any minute they'll realize I'm a fraud. But until then, <laughs> until then... <laughs> I am going to do as much of it as I can. No, no, we uh, we we're aware of the resume, absolutely, and and seriously, man, that, that's great. So, Flight of the Navigator, that is a new film of the. Yes, okay, so yes, it's a, the new film yeah. at uh, Lionsgate recently got the rights, um, and so they uh, have they announced a director. They, or? they have not. Okay. They have not. Good question. All right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> This is when I zip my lip. I understand. Uh, oh, no, it's okay. But uh, but yeah, so that's uh, I'm I'm excited to dive into that, and hopefully will be uh, very soon. But right now, it's pretty much finish Lucifer and try to get word out on Skyward oh, yeah. because that's the other thing. Like I'm working on Blood and Navigator, which is amazing. I'm working on Lucifer, which is amazing. Skyward's me and actually now it's me and lee yeah but it's like it's this is this is a piece of me this is me being able to say something new because i think while we uh work on pre-existing material and i love working on pre-existing material we also need to bring something new to the world we need to uh, birth new ideas and and bring these new concepts out um because i think you you can we can get stuck in a bit of a remake rut and listen i'm part of the remake rut but i also feel like you can do great things with remakes, but there should always be balance. Like, like when I heard Lucifer get announced, I was like, that's a terrible idea. No one should ever do that show. And then I saw the pilot. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, Oh, this is amazing. So, but it's, it's, so it's like, I, you, we should always keep an open mind on these things while always creating new and trying to find balance. Like, so I don't have enough, I don't have the time I should have to do Skyward. Uh, I find the time because it's important and because it creatively fulfills me. That's excellent, man. No, and I'm, I'm really glad. And again, I think you've found the right partners to uh, make this a very distinctive comic that is uh, worthy of readers' attention. And I'm happy to help you promote that. And uh, and again, I, I th- oh one last shout yeah, out. Do one it. last shout do out. It. Simon Boland. Our letterer. Oh, okay. Letterers are so underappreciated. Oh my God, he makes me look good. That's excellent. No, that's hey, I'm glad you said that. absolutely, man. Uh, you know, 
Chris Iliopoulos is uh, the one letterer that I always talk yes. to and everything, and you know he's a genius, and much like colorist too. That's why I made I in looking at the uh, at the PDF that you sent me of Skyward and everything. I'm like, oh yeah, this you know this guy's this guy's good, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, so. it's like it, and just it, I, I write it and I write you know another balloon, another balloon, but to actually see it laid out in a way that looks good and and doesn't distract yes. like. To, to realize what an art it is to to almost not be noticed. Agreed. Um, that is it's it's really impressive. That's that's been the fun. Like I never thought about why lettering is important until I worked on this. You know, I uh, I never really I've always noticed artists, uh, 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 pencilers, inkers, and colorists. Letterers is something that I'm learning to appreciate, and it's really cool. That's awesome, man. No, I'm glad, and I appreciate you mentioning him. And and seriously, thank you for letting me know when you want to talk because uh, you're letting us peer over your shoulder creatively and watching you as you evolve as a television writer and now a comic book writer as well. So it's great to not only look over your work but also get your observations as you're doing it. So uh, thank you. And uh, really, it's, Dude, it's an education. I... And, and yeah, I think this – I know my audience is always interested in hearing – about these arenas that you're playing in right now. Well, listen, as someone who has uh, has uh, devoured hours and hours of word balloon, I'm just still excited to be on. <laughs> so. No, thanks, man. That's a genuine. No, that's very sweet. I uh, thanks. Drew. Very true. No, that's cool. Uh, you have no idea how many drives have been Bendis tapes <laughs> or uh, just any episode of uh, word balloon. Excellent. Well, that's cool. I hope. Uh, I hope. Uh, People have been very nice, and uh, they've, they've said, especially this year in particular, like, man, you've been on a roll since uh, the beginning of the year. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. So here's another one for you, kids. Uh, Joe Anderson telling us about uh, the <laughs> Lucifer uh, world and also uh, the Skyward world. So uh, uh, really neat stuff that deserves your attention if you're not already a fan of what uh, Joe Henderson's putting out there. Uh, I think the Sour has told you that you need to get up to date uh, both with your TV watching and now your comic book buying with uh, Skyward. So thanks, man. As always, great conversation. Thank you, man. Seriously, I appreciate it. And everybody, Skyward, April 18th. That's Joe Henderson. I'm sure you're watching. You don't need me to tell you, but I'll say it anyway. Keep enjoying Lucifer Monday nights on Fox and uh, look forward to Skyward coming out April 18th. I've got a link to Image Comics uh, page about uh, Lucifer, or pardon me, Skyward. Say this is what happens when you're sick. You get a little fuzzy. But, uh, It'll give you a, a, a look at both uh, the first and second issues of Skyward. It's a fun series. Uh, like I said, Joe was kind enough to give me that advanced look. And uh, it's easy to recommend a good book. And uh, this one deserves your attention, too. So check it out. Skyward number one, debuting April 18th. But go to your uh, comic book store and uh, get an advanced order on this great new book from Joe Henderson. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon today, brought to you by uh, InStock Trades and InStockTrades.com. As I said before, there are tons of volumes of Lucifer, both the current series and also the classic series from Mike Carey and Pete Gross. Can't recommend it enough. You will find uh, the volumes on sale between 42% and 50% off at InStock Trades. Don't forget your orders of $50 or more. You'll receive free shipping from our friends at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening today. Hope you had enjoyed it. March is here, and we got great guests coming up for March. It's going to be a lot of fun. The uh, the uh, trek to C2E2 has begun. We are just over a month away from that wonderful event. I always look forward to it. It's in my backyard, but looking forward to seeing creators and 
uh, the convention goers and man, if you see me, uh, please come up and uh, let me say hello and thank you for listening to Word Balloon because that is truly a treat and it's uh, really it's such a, a wonderful thing when you folks come up and say you like the show, you listen to the show, and you're enjoying it. It really means a lot. So give me the chance to thank you personally for uh, listening to and supporting Word Balloon. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.